Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Turn to Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. And once again, as Pastor Bo mentioned, you could just download our church app and all the notes are there. You can kind of follow along and you can uh, fill in the blanks and that will help you to just uh, use more of your senses. That's why we are also having Zoom and smaller groups, auto groups to share. All these things we do because there's a purpose behind everything that we do. And it's going to help you to internalize some of these important principles. Well, as we close out this series called Triggers, I hope it's been very helpful for you. If you remember on part one, we talked a lot how emotions really become a trigger for us because of things that we feel or see or things that we experience And it affects our emotions in such a way that it hinders us from really being able to think clearly, make good decisions, even just relationally, because sometimes our emotions take over and it hinders some of the relationships that we have. And so we talked about uh, David and Nabal and Abigail and just that emotion where David was about to do something crazy, but Abigail stepped in and to cool him down. And that's something that we have to learn how to do, especially when it comes to emotions that we feel. Last week, Pastor Bo talked about uh, Esau and Jacob and the uh, issues of family and how that's triggered for so many of you, because that's where a lot of our joy and love is experienced, but also a lot of our pain and deeper issues, especially issues of bitterness or forgiveness or whatever it may be. And so we have to believe that God can redeem all the relationships that's connected to our family as we are part of now God's family. And so today we're going to close out with this third part, and I want to talk about circumstances, things that are unexpected and things that are uncontrollable, which means that they are outside of your control. You don't make a decision on it. It happens. And so what do you do when those things happen in your life and they become a trigger for you? And so we want to learn and look into Scripture and see what the Holy Spirit says about that. So the question I want to ask us and for us to think about is, what is it about not being in control that becomes a trigger and it causes us to be fearful, anxious, maybe even to the point where we're frightened and we don't know what to do and we we get paralyzed? So I want you to think about that for a moment. What is it about not being in control that triggers all these different emotions in our lives? And for many of us, I think when we are in control, and just think about it for a moment, when you and I are in control, the thing that we enjoy about it is because there's a sense of security and also there's a sense of peace. We're the ones determining the outcome. And so whatever it is that we are wanting to see happen, because if we're in control, whether through effort or through our wisdom or whatever may be, our gifts or talents or resources that we have, we can make some of these things come about. And I think another thing when you think about being in control is that it prevents us from being disappointed. Because if you're in control, you get to determine what you do and what you don't do. And so in many ways, you could push people aside in an arm's length because you don't want to get hurt. 
You only get involved in the things that you want to get involved with. So when you're in control, not only of your time, your treasures, and your talents, and just your whole life, then you're able to have this sense of security and the sense of peace. But I want to just challenge us. Oftentimes, it is almost like a false sense of security. Because in the reality of life, there will always be things that will happen that you cannot control. And so what I wanted to do is uh, show you this video. And back in the late 1990s and the early 2000s, um, there was this show called Airline. It, it, kinda, it kinda was like a reality show. But what they wanted to do was they wanted to film just a lot of the passengers and the flight crew uh, at the airport and how so often there's a lot of tension. And, and they would just show this week after week. And they would talk about how some of these people miss flights and how they would get upset. And it's beyond their, well, some of it, it was in their control. They woke up late, uh, other things happened, traffic, it was outside of their control. They didn't factor that in. Uh, some of them, for whatever reason, uh, they thought it was another day. But I want to show you this clip because I want you to see this woman who actually missed her flight by 15 minutes. And once again, it was something that she, as she explains that it was outside of her control. But it's interesting because what I want you to look at is how that triggered her emotions and her response. And as you watch this, I mean, on one hand, it's kind of sad because the, her story, the story that she tells. But the, on the other hand, at the same time, it's like ridiculous because you cannot get on that plane. It took off. It's about to take off. And so you got to make do with what you have. And so I want you to look at this because this is a good example of a circumstance that's outside of her control and just watch and see how she responded. So let's watch this together. You get the gist of it and she's freaking out. And I don't know, part of me, I was kind of feeling bad for her because I've been in close calls like that where I was going to actually one time I was a guest speaker for a retreat and I missed my flight of things that were outside of my control. So when I was watching this, I felt the pain that she was going through, but then I don't think I responded the way she did. Um, but I was thinking about what do you do when you face things in your life that are unexpected and outside of your control, those uncontrollable situations. I think more than anything else, that how you respond to those situations will really give you a glimpse of what's going on in your heart. If there's anything that many of us in our church, as well as just people around us, what we struggle with is we struggle with control. We want to be in control. We want to be the person who's driving the car. We want to be the person captaining our own ship and to move in a certain direction. We want things to happen. I think this is the reason why many of us, you and I, we struggle in our Christian walk, our life with Jesus, because it's not about control, because you and I are not in control, but Jesus is, and he is leading us and guiding us. That's why all throughout scripture, we see this idea of trust, trusting in God, believing that he's greater and bigger than anything else that's happening to us here on this earth. And that's what I want to try to address to us today as we talk about what it means to live our lives trusting in God even when we face 
uncontrollable and also unexpected situations in our lives. Listen to what Alan Redpath said in his book, Victorious Christian Living. He writes this, There is nothing, no circumstance, no trouble, no, te- uh, no testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to me. If it has come that far, it has come with a great purpose, which I may not understand at the moment. But as I refuse to become panicky, as I lift my eyes to him and accept it as coming from the throne of God for some great purpose of blessing to my own heart, no sorrow will ever disturb me. No circumstance will cause me to fret or I for I shall rest in the joy of what my Lord is. That is the rest of victory. I'm just wondering if some of us really have the sense of rest, trusting and believing that God is in control. I, I, I love that part when he says that anything that comes to our lives, that it had to go through God and through Christ. And if it did, that that means that he has a purpose for whatever that circumstance is in your life. You might not know it. I will definitely not know it. But this is where you got to trust God, that he will lead you, that he will guide you, that he will reveal things to you, regardless of the situation. So today, as we talk about these unexpected and uncontrollable circumstances, which can also be a very easy trigger We want to be able to focus on Christ and believe that we can overcome. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing for today is simply this. With the circumstances that we face, we can overcome because of His grace. So with the circumstances that we face, we can overcome because of grace. I want to just pause here and just give us an opportunity to go into huddle groups. Before we do, let me speak to some of you right now. Uh, as, As some of you know, uh, I, I try to talk to a lot of different people, the leaders, as well as just people that I meet up with. And one of the things that I want us to not forget is that the reason why we do huddle groups, and when we were live in person, we didn't do it. And the reason why we do it now is because there is a difference by watching just a screen and listening and being in a room and listening with all the people around you. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different uh, feel to it. And I think the temptation for some of us when it comes to huddle groups during these times is to just kind of check out. That's your time to turn off your camera or just do whatever you're doing. And I want to just encourage you, you're missing the point. Because if you come with the ministry mindset, you're going to be saying, there might be somebody here today in my life group, in this Zoom huddle group, that really need to be ministered unto. There might be somebody who's struggling, that hasn't shared, that I don't know what they're struggling with. But maybe God sovereignly is placing me with this person. And as you begin to share and open up your life, and as that person opens up their life, it becomes an opportunity for ministry. Ministry is not something we turn off and turn on whenever we feel like it. When you look at the life of Jesus, everything was ministry because he was focused and he was on purpose. So I want to encourage us as we go into these huddle group times, and especially those of us who are just watching it on live but not wanting to participate in the Zoom, this really is for all of us to be able to interact. And it's not just for you to receive, 
Remember, it's for you to give, to give to somebody, to give some insights, to give some of your life experiences, to bless somebody, to encourage them. And even as you share, maybe God will open up an opportunity for you to say, you know what, I'm going to follow up with this person. Maybe I'm just going to make an appointment to have coffee together because it seemed like they had a hard week. That's the kind of church that we want to see at HMCC Hong Kong, a community that loves and cares that will be so different from any other community that they will say, this is something that I want to be a part of. So I just pray in these next six, seven minutes that we have together that you will use it as a ministry opportunity to minister to other people. I know that's a long introduction to huddle groups, but I, I want to restate and make sure there's no misunderstanding why we do what we do. That is my passion, always explaining the whys so that everyone could understand. So here are the questions that I want you to think about. First one is this. Just think about on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you handle circumstances that are outside of your control? So one, you are a control freak. Sorry, there's no negative whatever because then you will be a complete control freak, right? So you, one is you're a control freak and 10 is you just go with the flow. It doesn't matter. You know, the whole building can collapse. You're like, hey, that's cool. It looks nice. You know, that's you, all right? So that's one, control freak, and 10, you just go with the flow. And then the second question I want you to talk about is simply this. Is there a reoccurring circumstance in your life that constantly triggers you? And why is that so? I hope none of you answered number five, okay? That's not a good 5.5. But I'm wondering how many ones, twos, and threes do we have out there? I, I, don't, I can't see you, but let's, let's be bold. Wow, there's some people in this room right now who are raising their hands high. So we got the ones, we got the twos and the threes, right? So once again, the one thing that I want us to remember today is that as we think about the circumstances in our lives, with the circumstance that we face, we can overcome because of grace, because the grace that God gives unto us. So no matter what it is that you face in your life, God's grace will help us through. So I want to talk about two specific things as we look into this famous story. Many of you know the story, but let's look at it in the context of what we're talking about, triggers, and how our circumstance, when we face them, that we could turn to God as He is going to lead us through His grace. The first thing that I want to mention is this, that God's or Jesus' presence is available. That Jesus' presence is always available to us. Let's go ahead and start and read in verse 35 all the way through verse 38. And this is what it says in the book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35 through 38. It says this, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, set so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Let's pause here and let's look at this passage together. As we're talking about how Jesus' presence is available to us. We know right away that most of the day, has passed so now it is evening and it's important to note that Jesus for the whole day what was he doing for the whole day he was preaching and teaching about the kingdom of God he was performing miracles he was literally ministering unto people 
So you do that for the whole day, from the morning all the way to evening. It is exhausting. It is tiring. And so Jesus, probably being tired, because he was not only God, but he was man, that he also knew that the disciples who were following him were also tired. So he said, you know what? Let's get away and go to another place, because he probably wanted to get some rest. Now, for those of you who are working, you understand that a whole day of meetings and deadlines and doing all these different things, the last thing you want to do is to continue to minister more. Or the last thing you want to do is go to life group. The last thing you want to do is meet up with that person uh, for dinner. Maybe some of you enjoy that, but when you're drained, that is the last thing you want to do. You just want to go home, eat something, maybe watch something, and just crash out. And so here are the disciples with Jesus, and they are on this boat. Now, something that I want you to note here is that as we think about them pulling away to spend some time alone, I want you to notice in verse 35 through 38, there are a couple things that I want, you to hi- I want you to highlight along with me here. The first thing is this unexplained purpose. So everyone say that with me, unexplained purpose. So there is something that is happening, and there's a purpose behind it, but it's not fully explained to the disciples. So it's important to note here as well that it was Jesus who took the initiative and told the disciples to go across the Sea of Galilee. That was the lake or the river or the body of water there, to go to the other side. Now, in verse 35, as we have read, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. It almost feels as if Jesus had a purpose. There was a reason why he wanted to take the disciples away from the crowd and to the other side. Not only because they were probably tired, but oftentimes when you look at the life of Jesus, he's always doing things with a purpose. There's a lesson that he wanted to teach. There's something that he wanted them to understand. Something that they, he wanted them to see. Something that he wanted to reinforce as a value. That he's constantly doing ministry. So he says, let us go to the other side. And I think when we look at the story one of the major reasons why we get triggered when we're faced with a circumstance is that we do not know the why. It's unexplained. That's why every single time we face something and we don't know why we're going through it, it is so easy to be triggered and we get bitter at God, we get angry at people because we don't understand what is going on. So here are these disciples, I mean, they're following Jesus, but Jesus didn't say, I want to teach you a lesson because there's something that's going to be happening. And what I've been showing you that I'm the God of miracles, it's going to happen right now. He doesn't explain anything. He just simply says, let's go to the other side. Many of us, we want God to give us answers. Many of us, we want God to tell us why he's putting us through what he's putting us through. Because then we could be in control. That makes more sense now. But I want to speak to you directly and say God owes you nothing. He doesn't owe you an explanation. He doesn't have to give you the whys of why you're going through what you're going through. He owes us nothing. And some of you are like, that's unfair. 
If we're in this relationship with this Jesus, then shouldn't he do that? But I want you to understand, this is the God of the universe. And we're flawed, sinful human beings. He owes us nothing. In fact, it's the other way around. We owe God our whole lives. Listen to what it says in Psalm 135, verse 5 and 6. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says this, I know the greatness of the Lord, that our Lord is greater than any other God. Will you read the yellow section with me? It says this, The Lord does whatever pleases Him throughout all heaven and earth and on the seas and in their depths. It says that God, because He is greater than anyone else in the world, He will do whatever He pleases. And the more you have a problem with that, the more it shows that you want to be God, that you want to be in control. This is the reason why when we face a circumstance or a situation and we don't know the why, these unexplained, purposeful things that God does, we have a problem. We look to the situation, we look at ourselves, we look at the things around us, rather than looking to God and understanding that His presence is with us. Look what it says in Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36, in the New Living Translation again, and read the yellow section with me, it says this, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. Come on now, read this with me, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways for who can know the lord's thoughts who knows enough to give him advice and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is attended for his glory all glory to him forever amen he owes us nothing even if he were to try to explain it to you, he's literally 1,000 steps ahead of you that you would not be able to comprehend in your own finite mind. Do you see how ridiculous it is whenever we get angry and bitter at God because somehow he needs to explain things to us? He doesn't have to do any of that. Even if he tried to explain it to us, we won't be able to fully understand. That's arrogance. That's your pride. The question that we always have to dig deep and ask is, what is it that you believe? Do you believe that he's good? Do you believe that he's present? He's present in your life to care for you, to love you. Do you believe he's sovereign, who's in control and is powerful? The GPS that we talk about all the time, that he's good, he's present, and he's sovereign. If you believe in those three things, from truly from the deep parts of your heart and in your mind, then you can simply say, God, I might not be able to understand everything that's happening in my life with all the circumstances that are outside of my control, but because you're good, because you are present, and because you are sovereign, I will trust in you. In fact, I, I've been just kind of meeting up with different people, and you know, this topic of like future things always comes up. And it's amazing because, I mean, it ranges anything from my career to my major and, of course, you know, relationships. So, hence, we're going to have this relationship seminar. See, this is when no, one, no one's late for this one. Everyone's awake for this one. You know what I'm saying? I, I think one day 
Pastor Bob, maybe one day we should have it at six in the morning and really see who will show up. And it'll be a full house, right? It could be at five in the morning, it'll be full house. But then 10 o'clock, some of us are still in our pajamas and we're like, hey, you know, we don't want to, you know, we didn't put our face on, so no camera, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you know what I tell them as I'm talking about some of these things? I go, I go, bro, depending on who it is, if it's a sister, I'm like, you know, but if it's a dude, I'm like, dude, man, listen, you really don't know, you really do not want to know God's will right now. And they're, they're taking it back. They're like, is this guy a pastor? What, what is he trying to say to me? I go, listen, I'm telling you right now, you really do not want to know God's will or even in the future. And they go, why not? That's why I'm meeting with you, pastor. And I, I stop and I say, okay, if God were to tell you that you're going to live a very uncomfortable life and you're going to be just, not that you're going to be poor, you're going to have your daily bread met, but you're not going to have much, and you're just going to suffer through. If God told you that right now, are some of you going to be like, hallelujah, praise Jesus? No, you're not. You're going to, you're going to be like, okay, I'm going to try to enjoy life as much as possible. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to milk this thing, if that's what God wants me to do. In fact, some of you will actually then turn away from God, because it goes against what you want. Hmm. You really want to know what God is trying to say to you in the future? What if he says you're going to marry this person? You're like, oh my Lord, she doesn't fit my, you know what I'm saying? So you know what's going to happen? You're going to be like, oh, I'm going to just meet as many girls as possible and just do whatever I'm going to do, and then I'll marry her. I mean, this, this is how sinful and wicked our hearts are. If God told you some of the tragedies you're going to face, do you think you're really going to love God? If God told you that you might have a, a child with some disability, if God told you ahead of time that you're going to go through a lot of pain, That is why I'm telling you right now, you and I do not want to know the future. The only reason why you want to know is not to obey God, but to be in control. The challenge for us is can we still love God, trust in Him in the present, right now? Because that's how He develops you. Builds the spiritual muscles that you need so that when some of these things might come your way because of other people's sin against you or other things that are unexpected, they come our way, that we will not turn away from God, but we will love God. That's why Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 in the message translation, it says this, I don't think the way you think. This is God speaking. The way you work isn't the way I work, God's decree. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. I think for some of us, we just got to humble ourselves and say that we're not God. 
And even if he were to tell us anything in the future, we will not be able to handle it. That's why we got to trust that with everything that we go through, every circumstance in our lives, there are so many hundreds and thousands of other things that God is doing to bring about his purposes, not only in your life, but in the people around you and for his glory. That's why it comes down to trust. Do you trust that God will finish what he started? Do you trust that he is good and that he is present in your life and that he's sovereign? Another thing that I want you to note here is this. Not only these unexplained purpose, God, Jesus is like, we're going to go to the other side. <laughs> and little did he explain that there's going to be a storm. I mean, he is the Lord of the universe. He should have known that this storm was going to come up. <laughs> if anything, if he told them that, they would have been like, uh, I think there might be a storm. Look at the clouds. So maybe we shouldn't go because we like to be in control. So not only these unexplained purpose, but I want you to know the second thing is this, the uncontrollable predicament. In verse 37, as we read, we see this great windstorm arose. Now you have to understand that the Sea of Galilee was located in this basin and there were these mountain ranges. And that's why when the wind would get caught up, if it was windy, it would make a swirling movement around these mountains. And that's why the waves will be high and the storms would be created. And I was just thinking, because I haven't been to Israel, I haven't been to Palestine in that area, and I'm thinking, what, what would that look like? And so I was just kind of searching, and I realized Rembrandt, as some of you know, one of the greatest painters, he actually painted a picture back in 16, I think, 33, as an oil painting, and he simply calls it Jesus and the storm at the Sea of Galilee. And so I want you to look at this picture. And I don't know why, as I was kind of looking at this picture, I was like amazed at just not only the lighting of it and just thinking about the disciples in this boat and Jesus kind of sleeping, resting, and all these, some of them were fishermen, experts fishermen, and they were freaking out. So just look at this picture just for a quick brief moment here. And just imagine just as best as you can. I mean, it's not an exact description of it but as best as this artist can try to explain this picture of this great storm as the waves were crashing in and the velocity of the wind was hurling and the water was swooping in it was in this moment that this storm came and these huge waves verse 37 as we have read it says the boat was already filling that means that the water was already coming in and they thought that they were going to die. It's kind of interesting because in the Matthew account of the same story, according to the Gospel of Matthew, you'll see something very interesting. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 24 in the NIV. It says this, Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. Let me give it to you in the New Living Translation. It says this, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake. So I want you to see those two phrases there, without warning and suddenly. So these are uncontrollable predicament that you have no control over, that it just comes without any warning and it comes very suddenly. And why is this significant? 
Because when you think about uncontrollable predicament, it always happens when you don't expect it. And it happens quick. I think this is one of the, another reason why we get triggered so easily with circumstances. That are not only unexplained purpose, but uncontrollable predicament. Why? Because we always think that this will never happen to us. I want you to think about some things in life, whether you've gone through or maybe you know other people have faced, like death of a loved one, maybe finding out an illness, a terminal illness, or maybe you weren't even expecting it and you get fired, you get laid off, or that job opportunity that you thought you had is no longer there. Like some of these things come without warning and it just comes so quickly. Maybe in that relationship, that person ends it. Whatever it may be. So often those are the times when we forget the presence of Jesus. That He's there. Because we're so focused on ourselves and so focused on the circumstance. In the midst of everything that's going on, what happens? What is Jesus doing? <laughs> he's sleeping. That's what it says in verse 38. He must have been so tired from doing ministry, he just crashed out. How did the disciples respond? Well, we saw this in this verse again. It says, what? Well, teacher, don't, do you not care that we are perishing? My goodness, when you really think about this, you realize that they forgot who they're talking to. They're talking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the God of the universe. And they're like, do you not care that we're perishing? I don't think they said it that way. They said, do you not care that we're perishing? I'm just wondering how some of us, when we're facing some of the situations in our lives, we're crying out to God in anger or bitterness and say, God, do you not care about me? Do you not care about my family? Do you not care about the situation? That's why when we are in unexplained purpose or uncontrollable predicament, it is so easy to forget about the presence of Jesus Christ that is there available to us. He is near us, wanting to talk with us, comfort us, to love us, to embrace us. But the question is, will you turn to Him? Will you spend time with Him? I think sadly, instead of seeing God as Jesus, as this King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that we are princes and princesses of the King, because we're a child of God, we really act more like slaves and slaves to fear. I've said this many times, but you know what you worship by looking at what you fear. Whatever it is that you fear, that is the thing that you worship. So for some of us, if we fear we're not going to get married, you think somehow marriage is going to solve your whole life, and that's what you're worshiping. If some of you are afraid that you might not get a job, and these are all natural things, but it grips you to the point where you cannot think straight, then pretty much what you're saying is this, that the job is going to completely transform my life. Maybe what you really fear is security. The list goes on and on. What is it that you fear? What you fear 
is what you worship. And here's Jesus saying, I want you to worship me. Above anything else in this world, I want you to worship me. And I'm wondering if he's purposefully, and but unexplainably, he is not explaining it to you, but he's leading you, possibly, even through the valley of shadow of death. It doesn't make sense. It's out of my control. But maybe God is trying to help you to go deeper. Some of you love comfort so much, your, your, your life decision is based on comfort. You avoid suffering and hardship at all costs. And this is the reason why people who love comfort, it's hard to love Jesus. I feel like it's a very oxymoronic statement to be comfortable and to love Jesus. And every single time you choose comfort. But Jesus Christ, he wants you to go deeper with him. He loves you. He wants you to experience the fullness of life that he promised unto us. The abundant life. And he knows so very well what that will mean for you. To be set free from all your fears, all your anxieties. To not live as a slave, but rather as a child of God. He knows that it breaks his heart. That's why I'm wondering, he's putting things in your life where your life is not comfortable. Where you're understanding pain, you're understanding suffering, you're understanding different things to make you more passionate about Jesus Christ. About him, your relationship with him. But here we are resisting because we want to be God we want what we want rather than say God not my will but your will be done Jesus was in the boat and even in the midst of this unexplained purpose and this uncontrollable predicament by Jesus being in the boat, that became a sanctuary because the presence of God was in the midst of something that was very difficult. I'm wondering if your workplace can be a sanctuary. If your home, your apartment can be a sanctuary where the presence of Jesus is there and available to us if we will turn to it. We want to go ahead and take a little break here for a huddle group one more time. Like I said, I, I shared a lot of stuff in this first point, but I think this will kind of deepen just our conversation as we're talking about how the circumstance that we face, that we can overcome it with His grace. So I want us to break up into huddle groups, and the question is this. The first one is, when you are faced with an unexplained purpose and or an uncontrollable predicament, how do you normally respond? What is your natural response? The second question is this that I want you to talk about. Are there ways to remind yourself of Jesus' presence and power, especially as you face things beyond your control? So are there things that you could do to remind yourself? Welcome back. And we're going to finish off with the second point. Once again, I want to just reiterate what we're trying to focus in on, that with the circumstances that we face in our lives, 
that we have to overcome because of His grace. And as we talked about Jesus' presence and how it's available to us anytime, any moment, He's not going to put you on hold. He's with us every single day, every single second. The second thing as we close out the story is that Jesus' is not only presence is available, but we will notice that Jesus' power is accessible. That Jesus' power is accessible. I'm going to finish off in verse 39 through 41. Listen to what it says in the Word of God. And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus finally wakes up from his sleep. I mean, it just sounds almost ridiculous. He is that tired, knocked out, having these sense of peace that God is still in control. He finally awakes from his sleep and he, what does he do? I want you to note this. He speaks. To the wind and to the waves, to the water. And it says here, it, it literally instantaneously, it becomes calm. The forces of nature obeyed the command of God. About the command of Jesus. As soon as he spoke it, this was a display of power. That's why when you even look into the scriptures, you will notice when God says, let there be light, there was light. That shows the power of who God is. And here's Jesus just simply saying, peace, be still, and instantaneously everything calmed down. That's the power of his word. I think it's also important to note here that prior to this story, if you look all throughout chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and even in the beginning part of chapter 4, and even in the other gospels, if you follow the chronological order, Jesus was already demonstrating his power. How? He was healing people. He was casting out demons. That nothing was able to come against the power that Jesus displayed, which came from God. Now, why is this significant? Because when you think about the demonic forces, even some of these demons that came in, that they had to obey the words of Jesus. Now the phrase that I want you to focus in on is be still. Now I thought this was very interesting. I kind of had was doing a study on this and the phrase be still is translated to simply as be silent or be dumb or to be muzzled and stay quiet. So here is Jesus using his words and he, when he says, be still, he's saying, be dumb. <laughs> be muzzled and stay quiet. The significance of this is because he's quieting down the roaring waters and the winds, the howling winds. And the waves, can you imagine how loud it is crashing in? He's literally speaking to these things to be silent and to be dumb. Don't say anything. Regardless, he speaks to it, it stays calm, it shows that he is mightier than even the created things of this world. 
And this is the reason why, listen to me carefully, that I keep on telling you to open your mouth and speak out. Do you know why this is significant? Because a lot of times we think to ourselves as we're just either, like sometimes even singing, sometimes when we're like trying to lift up a prayer, the reason why we do it out loud is because Satan cannot read your mind. He's not omniscient. Only God is. So when you declare it, and that's why in our church, it's not because we want to be the loudest, go, ah, you know, that's not the reason why. But when you verbally pray and cry out and say the promises and the words of God, there is power because now you're saying to all the demonic forces and every single stronghold in your life to be broken because you are claiming the truth of God over your life. Psalm 93, verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says. The floods have risen up, O Lord. The floods have roared like thunder. The floods have lifted their pounding waves, but mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers on the shore. Read this yellow section with me. The Lord above is mightier than these. All these things that seem so powerful, the winds, the waves, nature. If you've ever seen those tsunami pictures or those videos, how powerful they are. The Bible tells us that Jesus is more powerful than these. And since God is mightier and greater than all of these and everything else in all of creation, all we need to do is cry out to Him and believe that He will deliver us in His power. Psalm 107, verse 28 through 31. I'm going to read it from the New international version listen to what it says then they cried out you see this idea of crying out to the lord in their trouble and he brought them out of their distress he stilled the storms to a whisper the waves of the seas were hushed they were glad when it grew calm and he guided them to their desired haven let them give thanks to the lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men what a great reminder for us that all we have to do is cry out and ask God for His power to be manifested. And as we speak to the winds and the waves, as we speak to the circumstances that we're in, and we begin to pray with verbalizing these words out loud, then there is power that we can experience. We also have to learn how to tap into His power so that we can overcome whatever comes our way. I think for some of us, as I was thinking about this, some of us are facing spiritual warfare. And you're not going to overcome by just thinking it. You got to speak into it. For some, for some of us, there's lies that we keep on playing over in our minds, over and over again. It's not going to just go away. Speak it. This is the reason why when you hear somebody speak the truth to you, it goes, cuts deep into your heart. Do you understand why? Because it's the word that's coming alive and we're hearing it. Not just thinking it, we are hearing it. For some of us, it's the negativity in our spirits. That's why we've got to speak these words because he's greater and mightier than these things. I want you to look at verse 40 again. Jesus asked the two, uh, disciples these two questions. Why are you afraid and have you still no faith? <laughs> now, this is the part, I was just kind of meditating on this. He could have asked this question in a different way. 
these questions in a different way. He could have also asked these questions at a different time. But as I was meditating on this, I'm like, why in the world did he say it this way and he said it at this time? And as I was thinking about this, I realized that by him asking these two questions, after calming the storm and bringing a sense of peace, not only did Jesus have more credibility, but also he cut to their hearts with these questions. Let me explain. As I was thinking about this, and I realized, wow, this was a greater way to do it. First calming the storm, and then asking these two questions. Why are you so afraid? And have you no faith? Now, pause here for a moment, and let's say he said earlier. So just try to picture that Rembrandt picture again. Waves are coming in. And then he's looking at them and he's like, have you no faith? Why are you afraid? They're going to be like, duh, Jesus, because we're dying. Are you with me? Does that make sense? God's timing is so impeccable that after he calms the storms, then he asks these questions because now they're cut to the heart because he is the God and the Lord of the universe that all power and authority are in his hands. And as I was meditating on this, I thought about the story in John chapter 8. Do you remember that story? John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11, famous story. There was a woman who was caught in adultery. She was probably still in the act. And these Pharisees banged on the door. They grabbed her, barely having any clothes on. They dragged her into the middle of this courtyard where Jesus was. And these Pharisees, in their righteous anger and their self-righteousness, they put her on the ground and said, Jesus, what should we do? The law of Moses says that anyone who commits adultery, that they should be stoned to death. What does Jesus do? Many of you know the story. He begins to write something on the ground. And then it says, and it's really amazing, if you ever study this passage, maybe I'll do a sermon sometime in the future, but it says, from the oldest to the youngest, they started dropping their stones. And then he goes, I'm not done yet. He started writing some more. And then by that time, everyone was gone. Some scholars, some people say, well, maybe he was writing down like sin, like different sins, like cheating, you, you know, stolen, and put just initials. Judah, Benjamin something from the tribe of Benjamin, you know, just the initials. Can you imagine if, if you're there and you see what Jesus is writing on the ground and you see the very thing that you're struggling with and he's writing it there and maybe put your initials on it, you're like, holy, okay, I, 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 I got to go. I got an appointment I got to go to. Huh. And if you read that story, Jesus was alone with that woman, still probably clutching on. And the amazing part of this story is that he asked, the woman. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And then Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go 
and from now on live no life of sin or live no sin from this point on. It's a timing. He could have done it later or earlier, but it was in that moment where that significant moment when she was just alone with Jesus, is there anyone who condemns you? She looks around, no, there's no one. That proves how powerful he is. And as you go back to the story, as the winds and the waves were coming in, and they were frightened for their lives, it says they thought that they, thought that they were going to perish. He literally just speaks into that wind and the wave, and he says, be still or be dumb, be muzzled, stop all this roaring and this loud crashing of waves. He says, be still. And it's completely calm, instantaneously, and they're freaking out. And then he says, do you have no faith? Why are you so afraid? When we think about this, I think for many of us, we need to understand that a lot of times, we're not through that victory yet. This is the reason why you got to learn how to trust and depend on him. And in his timing, when you see him deliver, you realize, wow, it was God. Not yourself, not your power, not your wisdom, not other people, but it was God. Some of you want him to deliver you right now. But maybe what he's doing is purposely doing something in your heart, in your life, so that as you go through it in grace and in trusting in him and him alone, that when he then delivers and he speaks to whatever it is, that you will realize that he alone deserves the worship and the honor. I, th I find it amazing that Jesus reminds the disciples that they have the power to overcome as they have faith and trust in God. That's why if you look at verse 41 again, the phrase filled with great fear is translated as struck with deep awe. They were struck with deep awe. They were like amazed. The voice translation says this, the disciples were still afraid, slowly coming to grips with what they had seen. Can you believe that? Amazing. They were still trying to process everything. This is the part that oftentimes that God, even though we struggle with what we're struggling with, that when he delivers, you will see him do some amazing things. That's why he loves to use ordinary people, circumstances in our lives to glorify himself. Listen to what Hudson Taylor said. Many of you know him. He's a great missionary uh, to China and he said this, he says, many Christians estimate difficulty in the light of their own resources and thus they attempt very little and they always fail. I want you to just think about that first line, that first sentence, and put your name in there. Seth estimates difficulty in light of his own resources and thus he attempts very little and he always fails. All giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned 
on His power and presence to be with them. When you have Jesus in your boat and you understand His presence, who He is that's on your side, and you understand His power that He can literally speak to the winds and the waves, any kind of, if it's influenced by demonic forces, He can speak to it and it will obey. Then you could be the weakest person, the most incompetent person, but if you learn how to trust and learn how to depend on Him, you will see God doing some amazing things in your life. How about us? Where are we? Do you really believe in His power? Do you speak truth to the situation that you're in? And when you think about this story, this story really is the story of the gospel. Just think about our circumstance. We're constantly buffeted by sin. The ways of this world, our own sinful desire, they're always constantly beating over our lives. That's why we're in bondage. And here's Jesus who comes into this world, not as this conquering king at that moment, but he came as a servant. Lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. And when he died on the cross for us, he spoke to death and he says, oh, death, where is your sting? And when he died, he said, it is finished. That the work of salvation is now finished through his death. And then on the third day, we see in the Bible that he rose again from the dead. This, this power that is now demonstrated that the last thing that Satan had was death, but he even overcame death. That's why if you and I would place our trust in Him, we can have this resurrection power that if we were to die tonight, that we could spend the rest of eternity with Him. That's why as we talked about the one thing is that with the circumstances that we face, no matter what it is in your life, we can overcome because of grace. Nothing that we do or we've earned, but because of Jesus Christ with the circumstances that we face, we can overcome because of grace. Can I just give some quick next steps? I want to kind of tie everything together. I really feel, this is really something that I feel like God kind of downloaded to our church. As many of you know, the, the thing that we talked about even last week and the week before that, we really want to try to live, live out this breath principle which is the 478 principle you know that we talked about it where you're taking in just practically speaking just taking in four seconds of breath holding it for seven seconds and then releasing it in eight seconds very slowly because what it does is that it literally affects your body so that you can have the right frame of mind then to realize that god's got this that's why it comes from the passage as we talk about Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth, worthy of praise, think about such things. So the first thing that I want to encourage you is pause with this breath 478 principle 
And so once again, I hope you guys are practicing it. So what do we talk about? The first thing, the B is what? Is to be able to inhale and taking all of God's blessings in our lives. Everything that he says that are now ours in Christ. So what you do is that you take in this breath and you've taken the blessings of God in your life. And then you exhale all the rebellion, all the sin that's caused you to be anxious, all the things that have caused you to start doubting who God is. And then you breathe in again all the encouragement that God offers to us through His Word, in, his, in the things that He's spoken to us about, through His promises. Take it in to realize who you are in Christ. And then you exhale all the anxieties, the things that kind of cause you to get worried, the things that kind of cause you to freak out, to breathe, breathe it out, to say everything that's inside of me, I'm breathing it out. And then you breathe in the truth. And as you're breathing in God's truth, you're actually speaking into the lies that some of us have believed in. And then as we hold on to that, then we breathe out for eight seconds any hopelessness, anything that's contrary to what we see in Scripture. So once again, the way it's going to work is this. You breathe in all of God's blessings. So that's the first thing. And then secondly is that you exhale the rebellion in your life. Third thing, you breathe in God's encouragement. And then you breathe out any anxiety in your life. And then you breathe in God's truth. And then you breathe out any hopelessness that you have in your life. That is the breath technique that's from uh, Philippians chapter 4, 7, 8. And that's one of the first things you should do when you're facing a circumstance that's beyond your control. Just pause with this breath 4, 7 technique. The second thing I want you to think about is profess your need for God through a quick prayer. Man, sometimes we just miss these opportunities when we're getting stressed, when we're struggling, when something happens that's outside of our control. Like we start getting worried, all this stuff. But why don't you just start pro professing your need for God? Say, God, I need you. This is why we have another tool called Abide. We have so many things to help you in your practical walk with God. And the third thing that I want to encourage you with is proclaim God's truth over your life. Verbally, say it out loud. That's why memorize scripture and then say it out loud. Proclaim the truth of God over you. Even some of you who spend time praying for other people. I'm not going to judge your prayers, but the prayers that I always get blessed by are those prayers that people know the word of God because they memorized it and they're praying that truth over me as they're praying for me. They're not saying, well, Lord, in the Bible, as it says in John chapter 4. Not that kind of prayer. But the prayer that says, Lord, you've told us not to be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition unto you. That's when you will give us peace that's beyond all understanding. Prayers that are rooted in the word of God to proclaim that over people's lives, to see God do some amazing things. And the fourth and last thing is praise God that he is still in control. Whenever you face those circumstances that are unexplained purposes or uncontrollable predicaments in your life, just praise God, Lord, even though I don't have any control over this, it's in your hands. It's in good hands. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe you're going to be able to do all these things. With that being said, 
I want to show you this quick video of a testimony of a person who experienced genuine transformation. He was so conditioned by circumstances, but it was in that moment where he encountered God. And through that encounter, through that encounter, that he was able to then experience Jesus Christ and his power. And God changed his life forever. So I want you to watch this. And afterwards, we'll come back and we're going to close out. Amen. What a great testimony and a great reminder of Jesus' presence, his power in our lives. And I really believe that he can do that for you as you understand who Jesus Christ is. Many of you have gone to church, you know about Jesus, but you don't really know him. I just want to challenge you this coming week, live out what you do know. And that's why earlier we sang the new song, Believe For It. In fact, I want this to be one of the songs that we're actually singing at this church conference that's coming up. Because there's going to be so many people telling you, this mountain can't be moved. These chains that we struggle with, it'll never break. But we want to be able to say, but you don't know the God that I know. The God that can set me free. The God who can set you free. The God that can transform us deep within. And you've heard those lies from people. Oh, there's no way that can be done. That will never happen. But the chorus, what it says is, move the immovable, Lord. That's through your power and through your presence. Break the unbreakable. Those hardened hearts, my mom, my dad, some of my friends, my roommates. God, we believe. We believe for it. Not in ourselves, but we believe in you, who you are. So as we face these circumstances, we know by by your grace, you're going to help that to become a reality. Even the impossible, let's believe in these miracles in our lives. Because we know that hope will never be lost. Because... Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. Let's pray together. Can we? I want to pray for you. I want to bless you as you head into this week and realizing that many of you are facing many difficult times and circumstances, things that are unexplained purposes of God and uncontrollable predicaments that you don't know what to do. But let's believe by faith as we just sang that song. So Heavenly Father, thank you for the reminder this morning that you are the Lord of the universe. Even the winds and the waves, they obey you. Therefore, there is nothing, nothing too difficult for you. Move the immovable. Break the unbreakable. And through your power and through your might, demonstrate yourself to be the God who is great and awesome and mighty. Lord Jesus, thank you that oftentimes when we feel like we're drifting away in this boat, We know that you are in our boat. You're with us. You love us. And you're comforting us. You're reminding us of the truth. Even though we hear voices, lies, and people saying things to us, but we know the truth. We know what the Word of God says. So I'm praying, God, that your presence as is available to us, that we'll embrace it. Father, as your power is accessible to us, that we'll tap into it. May this week be filled with your anointing. May we be able to trust in you and believe by faith, pausing, taking the time and professing 
and everything else that we need as we pray and seek your face, Lord, that you will be honored and glorified. I pray for blessings over every single person in our church, Lord, no matter where they are, what they're struggling with, they will experience a breakthrough this coming week. They will see your power, even as a church, as we get ready for this church-wide conference. We're asking you, Lord, that you will do a mighty work in each one of our hearts. We want to know the Father's heart so that we can know who we are in you and that there will be nothing, Lord God, nothing that will hinder us from living the life you have called us to live. Thank you for your death. Thank you for the sacrifice that was made on the cross. And Lord, the resurrection power that now gives us hope that one day we ourselves will be resurrected. So Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. A reminder for us to live confidently, trusting in you, because you are a great God. We thank you, Lord God. And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.